Morning, church. How are we going? Um, this morning I'm reading from 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapter 2, 1 to 12. And I just had a bit of a joke before. I'm reading from the slightly damaged version this morning. Okay, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Uh, you know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi. As you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We are not looking for praise from men, nor from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to burden to anyone do we preach the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you and who believed. For you know we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Well, well, well. You're all here, are you, to hear about our trip to Thessalonica? Well, you know what happens on a trip stays on a trip. But because you've made the effort, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what really happened on our trip to Thessalonica. Timothy and Titus and I went up there and we had a fantastic time, but... I don't know, there's some fake news going on out there at the moment. Some fake news about what really happened. So I'm going to tell you what really happened. I'm going to do it in more than 50 words so that you can have a lot more information. Well, we got information back, didn't we? Just the other day, Timothy turned up. He'd been up to see our friends at Thessalonica because we got kicked out. They raced us out of town with pitchforks and fire. They wanted to get rid of us. And we thought, what's going on? Well, Tim went up later, and things are going great. The followers of Jesus are doing really well. But he also told us there's some people up there spreading some fake news. They're attacking my integrity. They're attacking my message. They're attacking my method and they are attacking my motives. Well, let me tell you right here and now, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is what really happened up there. We told them the one true message. The one message about Jesus. It's all about Jesus is what we told them. Nothing else. It's all about him. Jesus is the one. We didn't give any other confusing message. We didn't try and beef it up with anything else. It was all about Jesus. Because it's Jesus who changes people and only Jesus 
transformed people. You see, the proof is in the pudding, isn't it? Those people up there in Thessalonica were changed. They were transformed. And only the message of Jesus can do that. It wasn't a fake message, it was the true message. You see, we went up there and those people, they were following all these idols. They were self-centred, they just wanted stuff for themselves, they just wanted to make things good for themselves. But when we told them the message about Jesus, they changed from going for themselves and serving themselves to serving Jesus. They were transformed. Transformed by the message. You see, it's the one true message. There's only one message that transforms. It's the message of Jesus. See, the only thing that can change our self-centred heart, the only message that can change us for living for ourselves and living for others and living for God is Jesus. And that's what happened to these people. Nothing else can do it except Jesus. You know, the biggest miracle that ever happens, that can ever possibly happen, is not the parting of the sea. It's not the healing of disease. It's people's lives transformed. From being self-seeking, self-serving, to serving Jesus. That's the biggest miracle, guys. And that can happen for you that true message for the Thessalonican people can be the message for you. Jesus can transform your life. All you need to do is trust him. You see, at the cross, Jesus took all our self-centeredness, all our sin, and laid it on his shoulders. There's a bloke I think you've heard about called Billy Graham. He says, come to the cross. Come to the cross. where Jesus takes it all for us and in him we are changed and transformed that is the one true message never let anyone take you away from that message it's about Jesus and Jesus alone he's the only one that transforms and that's the message that we brought people were trying to say we're bringing different messages but that was it the one true message the message that can change your hearts the message that can transform your life from going to serving yourself to serving Jesus and serving others. You can go from being self-seeking to seeking to love Jesus, loving others, loving your community, loving the world around us and helping others to do the same. That's what Jesus can do for you. Never move from that message, guys. Never move from that message. And if anyone brings any other message to you, put them outside. Send them away. Don't listen to them. It's fake news. It's the one true message. It's the message that changes us and it's the message that we are to bring, isn't it? Don't listen to that message. Don't tell any other message. Then Jesus is the one who transforms. And not only did they attack my message, but they also attacked my motives. They said that I was actually doing this all for myself to get things for me. You know, there's lots of people out there giving dodgy messages, but there's even more people out there with dodgy motives. They were saying that I was out there to get money, to get wealth, to get power, to get sex. That's what they were saying. Now, don't get me wrong. There was plenty of opportunity for me to get money. There was plenty of opportunity for me to get power. And there was plenty of opportunity for me to get sex. Those Thessalonian women, they were hot. 
Man, if I wanted it, I could have had it. But no, that's not what we're on about. We weren't on about that. We're on about purity. We're only out to please one person. I think I heard a bloke at the front with blonde hair a little bit earlier talking about pleasing one person. It's pleasing God and God alone. That is it. That is all we wanted to please. That was our motive. Our motives weren't out for ourselves. Our motives were out to please him. And to please him is to help other people come to know Jesus. That's what he wants us to do. That's what he wants us to, have, he wants us to live. That's what he wants to take that out and do that. And that's how he wants you to live. He wants to you to live with the one pure motive of pleasing God. It's not easy, is it? Sometimes that's hard because the temptation's all around us. I was tempted, guys. There was plenty of things that tempted me in Thessalonica. Whew. Man, that's the one city that can tempt you. But we've got to stay true to Jesus, stay true to pleasing God. what he wants for you to please him and him alone that's what our pure motives are aren't they and they work out in the way that we live so he not only got well, I was being attacked for my integrity from a message I was being attacked for the message from my motives and then also without attacking my method that how I was going about that how I was doing that that I was saying I was being two-faced, that I was being hypocritical, that one minute I was living this way and one minute I was living another way, that I was doing some things over here, then behind their backs I was doing other things. I was a two-faced, lying, cheating, wrong message, motives impure. That's what they were saying about me. But if you ask the Thessalonians, that's not true, is it? You ask the Thessalonians about how I live. That's not the way that I lived. When we lived with the Thessalonians, I lived with them like they were family. I treated them like family. I live with them like children. I live with them like a mother. I live for them like a father. You see, as children, we're all equal, aren't we? As children, there's no one who has more authority than any other child, is there? There's no one who can wield it over anyone. You know, as children we live together and we work together and that's how I lived amongst the Thessalonians. Look, I saw Jesus. Jesus appointed me and sent me off as an apostle. I could lord it over anyone if that was really what was the way to go. I had the authority. But no, I live with you like a child, like we're all equal, that we're together. That we're together on this same mission together. That we're together, we're out to bring the message. Together, we're out to please God. That's how I lived around you, like a child. But also like a nursing mother. Now, that's pretty hard when I'm a bloke. But a nursing mother, the picture of a nursing mother isn't as a child being fed, being nurtured, being cared for, being protected, being held, being devoted to. A nursing mother is absolutely devoted to a child unless she's got mastitis. <laughs> and then it's a bit hard, isn't it? But otherwise, they're devoted, aren't they? they it's, just, it's pouring out love. It's self-giving love, isn't it? A mother gives herself completely to her child. And that's why I lived amongst the Thessalonians. Self-giving. Not claiming authority. Not lording it over. But self-giving. I was real with them. 
It wasn't a cover-up. There wasn't. A, there was one side of me over here, another side over me there. They saw it all. You see, as I lived with the Thessalonians, I loved them so much that I not only shared the message with them, but I shared my life with them as well. My whole life, open, honest, vulnerable to them. I served to give. You see, the greatest joy comes in self-giving. Our greatest joy comes out of self-giving. It's not self-getting. It's not being comfortable. It's not getting stuff just for yourself. It's a change of attitude, isn't it? It's a change of attitude of saying, well, what can I get out of this response? What can I get out of this situation? What can I get out of this person? What's this going to give to me? But no, no, this is actually giving. When you want to just get, it destroys you. And it never brings joy. True joy comes from self-giving. Like a mother to a child. And that's how I lived amongst them. A couple of thousand years ago, it was hard to be self-giving. But even today, it's just as hard, isn't it? You live in a world that it's all about you. It's all about how many likes you get on Facebook, how many people Snapchat and download your videos, download your clips. It's all about what you get. It's all about your career, your life, your family. It's all about you. And it's destroying you, isn't it? It's destroying us. As it destroyed us as well. See, true joy comes from giving itself. Of being vulnerable, of being open, of sharing of walking the walk with each other. It's about sharing life with each other. When I was in Thessalonians, as I said, I gave my, not only my life and my message, but I shared everything with them. You know, when I was making tents, I was making tents in Thessalonica so that they didn't have to pay me and didn't have to support me. I was making tents there. And while I was making tents, people came. And while I was making tents, we used to talk. We'd chat about Jesus while we were making tents. And then after I'd finished making tents, we'd go for a walk and we'd talk about Jesus and how that works out in our life. We'd have a couple of drinks together and we'd talk about Jesus and how it works in our life. We'd share meals together and we'd talk about how Jesus impacted our lives. We'd do life together. We'd spend life together. There's no way that I could have been two-faced because people were in my life all the time. You can do that too, can't you? You don't have to add things, do you? Just have people in what you're already doing. Invite people to be part of your life. Do life with people. Share life with people. And you know, sometimes sharing life with people is pretty ugly. There's positive and negative, isn't there? Sometimes I don't really want you in my place when I'm having an argument with someone else. But that's where you learn about how to live for Jesus in that, don't you? We learn that we're not perfect. We learn that things don't work out, but we learn that with Jesus in our life, we actually work through that together. The Thessalonians and I, we used to do that. You know, sometimes we get into arguments. We wouldn't agree. But we'd learn that as we love Jesus together, we work through that together. And we're not being two-faced. We've not got our face that happens at home behind closed doors because people are there with us behind those doors. I'm not two-faced when I go out on the street and then when I'm by myself. 
We share life together. We don't two-face because Jesus impacts every part of our lives. Jesus impacts everything that we do. That's how amazing he is and how wonderful he is, isn't he? You know, and he forgives us when we do do those wrong things. He forgives us when we do have the wrong motives. He forgives us when we do stuff up and muck up and get angry and, and not say the right things and don't do the right things by the people we love. And he teaches us to forgive each other. He's transforming, isn't he? I was like a child with them. I was like a mother with them and I was like a father to them. Guiding, directing, encouraging, building up, pulling back into line, pushing them along, helping them to live a life that is worthy of our amazing God. It's how to walk the walk, isn't it? That's what we're on about. A father helps you walk the walk. A father helps you live that out and guides you and shows you that. How you can walk the walk and talk the talk that the two go together. Because, you see, that's what integrity is, isn't it? If you live a life of integrity, then what you say and what you do flow together. That's what a life of integrity is about. That's the life, the walk that we're supposed to be walking. That's the walk that God wants us to walk. You know, there's lots of uh, ways that we can walk and lots of silly walks we can do. There's a group of people who even had the ministry of silly walks. But the walk that God wants us to walk is the walk that follows along like Jesus. There's some great walks out there, isn't there? There's the Camino walk, there's the walk for cancer, and there's just the walk down the street to get ice cream. But the best walk is the walk that goes through every day and every part of our life, the walk of Jesus, the walk of walking like Jesus, the walk of walking with others like Jesus. That's the walk that God wants us to do. That's the walk that lives a life worthy of our amazing God. And that's the walk that Timothy, Titus and myself tried to do with the Thessalonians. That's the walk that God wants you to walk. Do you notice that I didn't walk that walk by myself? I walked the walk with others because it's so much easier to do that with others and so much more refreshing to do it with others, isn't it? You can walk by yourself down the beach and it's nice and it's lovely and some people like that even more than walking with others sometimes but it's a good thing to walk with others, isn't it? But you can point out how beautiful the eagle is and how amazing the sea is and how good our Creator is. Or we can walk through that tough time when we're really struggling and we can pray with one another, we can sit with one another, we can hold one another, we can cuddle one another, we can bring God's word to one another, we can love one another. You see, this walk is not a walk by ourselves, this is a walk as a community, a walk as a family. A family that is out to please God, a family that is out to live lives worthy of Jesus. You can do that too. You can do that too. Well, you've heard the truth. Forget the fake news. Forget those that want to have a go at my integrity. Forget those that want to challenge the message, my motives and my method, because you've heard it now. You know it. 
and you can go and live it as well. Your message needs to be Jesus. Your motive is to please God. And your method is to walk life and share life and do life together, walking the walk of Jesus to the glory of God. I'm going to pray for you that that's what you'll do and that's how you'll live. It's our time. We must rise up and no longer disparage. It's our time, church, to honor our heritage. We have a savior. He gave it all on the cross. We stand beside martyrs who counted nothing as loss. They took God's mysteries, opened them up for us. Stephen, John the Baptist, Bonhoeffer, Jan Hus. Surrounded by a cloud of witnesses above, it's now our turn to model his unending love. Our mission is one we cannot confuse, nor muddy up with some trite excuse. You say you're not well-versed, ready, or able. I think Moses even tried to use that fable. The time we have, it's now more urgent. If we should hear, well done, faithful servant. Yeah, church, it's our time. It's our time to confess the ways we're mangled, the sins and selfishness that have us entangled. Lust, greed, and pride, their path leads to the grave. Yet we return to our sins as if we're a slave. Can we survive in this putrid dead sea? I quote Paul, may it never be. So let's cast aside our individual leprosy and begin to leave a biblical legacy. There's a glorious prize awaiting to be won, and the way to win is to start to run. Let's lace them up and fight the good fight, become to the world both salt and light. Our life on earth is merely a vapor. Our chapter must move from pen to paper. So church, let's get to writing because it's our time. It's our time, church. We have what it takes to help the world from its slumber awake. To Jesus, we are his beautiful bride. Whom shall we fear with him on our side? We have each other, we are not alone. It's iron to iron in the combat zone. There's a promise of life full of adventure. As long as we give both talents and treasure, the workers are few, the harvest is plenty, with so many lives running on empty. Scores of people trying to cope. They've come to the end of their proverbial rope. Young eyes are wandering, looking for direction. Make sure we point them to his resurrection. The clock's ticking, we're on our dime. Hey church, rise up! It's our time.